Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dr. Dan Quintana and I'm here with Dr. James Heathers. How are things, James? Nice and mm. early nice and early there in Boston. It's not early, it's quarter to ten. Okay, maybe not then. <laughs> I woke up early. Yeah. The cat bit my heel. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. It's a very specific place. Um, well, he bit me in, in the in under in in my underarm in my armpit the other day. He's um he's weird. Yeah, I don't think you don't have any pets, do you? I used to have a dog. There you go. Yeah. Um, if we had a show mascot, it would probably be this cat. <laughs> he's an idiot. That's a great idea. Official mascot. Yeah. We have to come over and we'll have to get a photo of the cat sitting on your head. It's kind of a house tradition. Is that anyone that the, the cat tolerates, we try and get him to sit on their head unsupported. The uh, the old um, cat hat. Yeah, that's the one. The cat yeah. hat. So, mainly, you know, people go, uh, I know selfies are popular with the youths these days. <laughs> um, but all of mine are attempts to get the cat to sit on my head. Yeah. So that's my that's my contribution to our brave new world of narcissism and good teeth. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, brand new worlds and new things, um, oh, he's back in his segways. Yeah, Go on. back to it. Today we're going to talk about this new oxytocin study that came out a few days ago, and uh, this one was um, was looking at uh, a, a new topic for oxytocin, and that was oxytocin administration and spirituality. Now, uh, I kind of I woke up a few days ago, and I got a few messages from some people, including yourself, James, and a few others. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Well, uh, that's what happens every time an oxytocin thing yeah. comes out. It's your special little toy. And um, people want you to know about it because oh, I found out I read about it in the news. So you know. Well, as soon as I what saw the, the um, as soon as I saw the speakers uh, are on mute. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Well, as soon as I saw the uh, the headline, I thought, oh man, uh, here we go. But uh, at the same time, the journal it was in, uh, Social Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience, generally publishes pretty good stuff. Do they? More, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't come, I haven't read a paper from that journal going, oh, that sucked. Um, generally speaking, they usually, at least from my experience, publish some pretty good stuff. So I went in there with, uh, with an open mind for this particular paper. But at the same time, you know, with a headline like that, um, and uh, you know, obviously there's a few, few news headlines which you came across. Um, I haven't come across them, but I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're out there. Um, you know, you can you can see the the potential for hype, and we've spoken before about the uh, the the hype of oxytocin. So this is uh this is ripe for it, especially when you when you include the uh, the aspect of of spirituality. But um, for, for this particular paper, what the what the authors did was uh, now this was a between subjects design, which I'm not a huge fan of. But why um, not? Well, oxytocin is, is hugely dependent on individual differences. Um, firstly, um, genetics, for one. Um, uh, you know, when you're looking at the oxytocin pathway genes. Um, yeah, secondly, there are just individual differences as to how people respond. Um, if you have a, even physiologically, if you have a really small nasal cavity, uh, and the nasal valve, <laughs> or, or, or a history of snorting drugs, one of those two things. That's a nice way of saying, have you done cocaine before? Um, but um, if you have a history of, um, of cocaine use, if you've gotten to 
too many fights as a kid, your nose could be pretty messed up. And when it comes to oxytocin, you actually want to administer um, the, the spray to the uh, kind of upper posterior regions of the nose. But if you can't get past the nasal valve, which is that really thin section just past where your finger can reach, um, it's useless. It's basically taking an oral how often? How often does that happen? Look, I would say 10 to 15% of the average population... But that's not saying 10 to 15% of people have a history of violence or cocaine abuse. You're talking about normal changes in the nasal passage. Yeah. That's that, a sort of a phylogenetic difference between people. Absolutely. And that's not to mention just having the, having the common cold. If you're congested... Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it's incredible. Uh, it's so many studies. So how do you how do you control for conch access? <laughs> well, I mean, you can do this the simple thing of do you have a cold? Um, do you have a history of any nasal injury? That's um that you know. <laughs> It's a serious question. Do you have a history of nasal injury? You know, did you... Um, people, people. I must... can imagine you meeting women in a bar. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of that. Do you have a... Ma'am, do you have a history of nasal injury? It's... Uh, no, but it, it's common. You know, people people play in sports and they'll get a... They've got a whack and... Whack in the nose, um, uh, you know, or, or they, they... Some people just have um, general congestion, deviated septums, all that kind mm. of stuff. Uh, yeah. Simple questionnaires looking at history can pick most of the stuff. Um, what we do in our lab is we actually do acoustic rhinometry, which is a um, it's a wand that we put just outside the nostril. Think of it as an ultrasound for your nose. Well, not really an ultrasound, but um, it basically shoots out sound waves and then it measures the sound waves that come back and we get a profile of the nose there. So we can exactly see to the millimeter, firstly, how big the nasal valve is um, which is the main barrier. But secondly, just how big the nasal cavity is, but also if there's a deviated septum or something weird going on in the okay. nose. So how many people who do special toy town neuropeptide research are doing acoustic rhinometry? One. No. Well, Hello. okay. So as far as it being an accepted standard is concerned, um, it isn't. No, it's been suggested that it should be. Uh, there was a paper that came out. Who suggested it? Uh, Adam Gastella, one of the most prolific uh, oxytocin researchers out there. And your special friend? Yes. Do you want to touch him on the knee gently? <laughs> he's a great. He's, he's been a great collaborator. So, uh, uh, but he he made that uh, recommendation um, 2012 that um, specific objective measures sh- should be done, like acoustic chronometry. But if you can't do that, which is understandable, because they're not super expensive, the devices, maybe 3000 US for an acoustic chronometer. Um, mm, not, pa- not much. Not particularly hard to use. Um, but, um, but anyway, at the very least, you should be asking, you know, any, uh, any history of nasal injury, um, do you have a cold, all that kind of stuff. And this varies um, from, from person to person. There's even variations in the nasal cycle, which is your left mm. nostril or your right nostril gets more or less congested even during the day. So um, most um, people, when they're administering oxytocin, they go one nostril to the other, potentially account for that. So that's usually yeah. fine. The but nasal that... cycle, the nasal cycle is very interesting. It's very, it's, it's super interesting. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a whole ton of nasal physiology that pretty much most people in oxytocin or intranasal medication research um, either ignore or just don't know about. It's um, you know, but I've blogged about this heaps, and I can post those things up there. Mm. All that to say, lots of individual differences. So when there's a thing where there's a lot of individual differences for response, you're much better off doing it within subjects crossover design. This particular study looking at spirituality uh, was mm. a between subjects. So about 40 people were randomized to oxytocin and about 40 people were randomized to placebo. They got the spray uh, and then one hour later, they did a number of questionnaires looking at spirituality. Um, I mean, I'm not involved in spirituality research, so I don't know how good these questionnaires are, um, but you know, apparently they're the, the gold standard. Um, and, then, um, and then a week later, they did the same questionnaires online. Um, which is to think that a single dose would have an effect that long after is um, it's one of those things that on theoretically, you know, we know that oxytocin can actually start this feed forward mechanism where uh, endogenous oxytocin, um, sorry, exogenous oxytocin can actually kickstart the production of endogenous oxytocin. But we only know that that happens um, in animals after sort of a week's time. It shouldn't happen after a single dose. So yeah. it's a toss. Well, it's a stretch. It's a long, a long stretch. stretch. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a, a stretch. Have you ever seen that sport where people compete to put a beer bottle on the floor as far as humanly possible? Well, what, you, th- was you, you, you push it so it stands upright? No, you, you have a line and you stand behind the line. Yeah. And you reach out over the floor... Uh, and you try and place it, the bottle down on the floor as as far as possible from the from from where you're standing, and the person who can put it on the floor as as far away as possible is is the winner. Yeah. So it's uh it's obviously it's a it's a a pub game. It doesn't tallest bloke win. Uh, that is probably likely, but you know, be equally as likely to fall over because you're more. Well, you know, your center of gravity is moving out further. It's probably quite difficult. Yeah. Um, I think you place it down and then you try and sort of push yourself up off the bottle a bit. Anyway, um, is it that kind of stretching where the sort of it's it's competitive drunk stretch, or is it just a normal sort of stretch like a yoga in a park, ice stock photo kind of stretch? Okay. Um. Let me put it this way. I think doing this kind of stuff and this exploratory stuff is fine as long as you say, this is super exploratory. We just gave it a punt and we look, we found a result. I have no problems with that whatsoever. Um, this paper did a bit of a mix. Um, in, some, in some aspects, they said, yeah, you know what? Our sample size is low. It's exploratory. But in other parts of the, of the discussion, um, yeah, I, I guess they do overplay it a little bit their results but back to the actual results um they did this they also collected saliva to look at um the uh single nucleotide polymorphisms or snips um in the oxytocin uh oxytocin pathway gene um and you know for, for genetic stuff these numbers are really low really really low but um they did it anyway um you know i was thinking um don't don't most things with um if you want to measure something like that, given the 
insane heterogeneity that can be involved? Don't you normally have uh, multiple hundreds of people as a kind of an accepted minimum? Yeah, uh, especially if you're looking for like a gene-wide association study where you're just going, let's look at yeah. all the genes. Um, this one is a little bit different where when it comes to oxytocin pathway genes, there's about 10 to 15 pretty strong candidates that have come out, both for the oxytocin receptor gene, um, but also for CD38, which regulates the secretion of oxytocin. So if you, let's say you were going to do well, a study... Well, they, they did three, not 15. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the, the, th the three that they chose were plausible candidates. Um, however, there were 15 that you could probably do. Now, if I saw a study with maybe like, a, I don't know, 100, 150, and they pre-registered saying, we are just going to look at this one SNP, and they found a result, and they mm. found the result, I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, but when you have numbers sitting at around 80, which is 40 per group, and then you have three candidate genes out of a potential 15... Um, then, yeah, then things get a bit tricky when it comes to interpretation and your risk of type 1 error uh, uh, gets bigger. Hmm. Yeah. So, for the actual study, you know, what they found was that the people that were given the oxytocin uh, takes about 40 minutes to kick in or to reach peak concentrations, at least peripherally. Uh, they, they rated uh, themselves as, um, as more spiritual, 40 minutes after compared to the control uh, compared to the placebo group and uh, they also report that this same group one week later also had um, an increase in spirituality big really uh, yeah so there was a, there was a big I mean t two things I, I, if this was bigger bigger numbers and it was a crossover study I'd be pretty impressed um, but but it isn't but it's not um, it's a between subjects and the numbers are on the low side and there was, uh, th there was a big caveat with the results um, in that uh, they only found it when you did an ANCOVA and covaried for religious affiliation. Now, uh, this makes sense to me in the sense that um, if you self-report as an atheist or agnostic, um, and you ask how spiritual are you? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna rate yourself pretty low on that. Um, but if you are religiously affiliated or you you associate with the church or, or what have you, um, then you're more likely to rate yourself as more spiritual. So you kind of have these two groups there, and uh, this effect uh, only actually was statistically significant once you accounted for um, religious religious affiliation. Now this was done by Ancova. And um, there, are, there are a few problems with ANCOVA when you uh, are using ANCOVA for a variable that wasn't experimentally randomized. Um, it's called the Lord's Paradox. Almost uh, the ironic. Lord's Paradox. The, the Lord's Paradox. Almost considering the, the, the subject here, it's interesting. Um, but I, I believe it was called after a statistician called Lord. Um, Isn't it just... Lord's Paradox? It could be Lord's Paradox, yeah. I mean, you're not... Uh, was that a pun and I've just made a complete hash of it? No, no, it, it could be Lord's Paradox. It could be. But anyway, okay, this... Okay, hang on. Yeah, have, have a look. It is... It's, it is Lord's Paradox. Yeah. What is the Lord's Paradox? 
I don't know. We can, we can, you should just edit this out and then you'll look like you've made an extremely clever pun. Yeah. Um, but Law's Paradox, so there are issues with um, uh, doing running ANCOVA on variables which are not experimentally randomized. And in this case, religious affiliation wasn't. So you had... Uh, um, well, you had that about- would mean, I mean, if you're, if you're studying spirituality in the first place, yeah. um, it would would you not want to... People who are spiritual yeah. have a sliding... You would assume that they have a distributed score of how spiritual they are. People who report no religious affiliation seem very likely to report anything even vaguely spiritual. But one appears that one has a, a, a continuum implied. They have a continuous score and the other one's binary. Yep. It's like saying... Uh, how much money do you have to like, people who are super bogo poor and have no money versus like everyone else? And there's a lot of people who are reporting zero. What's the difference between having money and having no money versus having an amount of money? Well, it wasn't. Why would you? Why would you? I would. I would confine it to to doing of one or the other because I mean, if you're if you're making atheists more spiritual, that seems different to making pre-existing spiritual people more spiritual. Well, if you actually look at the data, um, and the the good thing about this paper, which I believe this is actually probably the first or the first oxytocin I've seen, a uh, study that I've seen where all the data is completely open. You can hop onto Open Science, uh, the OSF website, which we'll put on. Uh, they have their entire data set, all 160 variables, and a document which has an explanation of what every single variable means. It is excellent. I think there's uh, a code book as well. It's a code book. Yeah. Oh, well done. It is excellent. So I had a look at this, and I did some analyses myself, and I started looking at um, what happens if you just run a simple, uh, a simple t-test. Um, just looking at the um, the atheists and the agnostics versus the people who affiliate with religion. Now, um, by doing that by itself, I think the numbers, I think one third were in the, uh, the no affiliation group. And um, just by looking at those people, so it's about, you know, 15 or so per group, there actually was an increase in spirituality in these people. In uh, 15 people. Yeah, super low. But when you separate it, so the idea being that if you just look like at the... 15 people who've explicitly enrolled in a study about spirituality. No, I think this... Well, that that's the other thing as well. Um, th- th- You're it was telling a... me there's lots of... It wasn't a specific study on spirituality. There's a ton of unreported variables. Yes. Oh, something, something... fantastic. I wasn't expecting you to say that at all. <laughs> something... Um, it was part of a larger study. Um, I, something... They asked them whether they could read Chinese text. So, it, I don't know whether it was a, a, a cognition study or some sort of language thing. Um, uh, yeah, there's... um, They do. It's a it's a common intervention somewhere. You, you, you assigned meanings to the symbols that people can't actually see. Yeah, something, something oh, like I that. I hope we can remove the sound of that tram in post-production <laughs> because I'm I'm seconds away from going outside and solving the public transport problems of this city <laughs> with a sledgehammer. <laughs> God, that's noisy. Sorry, go on. Um, yeah, so... Um, what were we talking about? Yeah, the, yeah, so it was part of a larger study. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure as to why this... Um, it, one of the people... I think the first author has won a grant looking at um, questions surrounding spirituality. So uh, it, it looks like it was a big part of it. But because it wasn't pre-registered, we don't know. I think uh, when you... The, the more... The, the, I, I, I like... I like pre-registration, but I find in conversations with you, you you bring the stupid thing up all the time, mm. um, and I I think I can pinpoint our difference, the difference in attitudes that we have towards this. Okay, if I'm doing a study right now, um, or you take something like I mean something that I'm working on right now, I have half an hour of, I have half an hour of a specific series of physiological signals. Uh, in which case there'll be a series of instances of things that I want to measure. So for each individual person, that will be somewhere between 20 to 40. Don't worry about the details. It's like each person, we've got half an hour's worth of data, we're going to have 20 to 40 episodes of a thing, Mm. which I can observe. I have 60 people. I have a very focused hypothesis that is specifically about the interrelationship between the systems that are providing the signals that are giving me. The idea that I will find something after I've done this analysis that should have been pre-registered, that I should have, like, that the the exploratory case won't hold here, is silly. Um, If I had five people, (laughs) I I I can see your point, but Depending on your ability to ask focus questions and retain the right amount of data. Mm. I mean, if you're going to do an exploratory analysis of something like this and they had 1,500 people, what's your opinion on pre-registration now? Still the same. It all comes down to... Okay, it reduces okay, the risk no, of research. Okay, here's, here's the next thing. And there are no other variables collected in the study. You're not analyzing anything else. Uh, it's continuing to improve. This is the point. It's like, oh, I still want it, but you're starting to the, the caveats are starting to make a difference to some degree. Yeah, I mean, if there was only you know, say they're only measuring you know one one variable, and we we, mm-hmm. we knew this, um, yep. but it's hard to know unless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right in that sense. Yeah, but also, look, I mean, we hope the oxytocin does something to the spirituals is a specific hypothesis. But we hope that a particular respiratory disturbance will immediately resolve into a specific pattern of heart rate and blood pressure. Is not, I hope the oxytocin plays nicely with the spirituals. Yeah, yeah. These These are not equivalent hypotheses in terms of the solidity of the background from which they've been drawn. Yeah, it's a completely that's, that's different. It's a completely different world, and I look I, all sorts of. I I see no one working in uh, this this uh, these sorts of signal studies. No one's particularly excited. Oh, pre-registration! What fun! Oh, this is interesting. This will change all the problems we have. It's it's less of it's less of a problem. Analytical flexibility is still a problem, yeah. obviously. But I think it's in, in some respect it's it's less of a problem than just um, the inability to fully understand all the implications of the analysis you've done 
It's yeah. just trying to be better at science is, <laughs> is still <laughs> is still a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, when it comes to something like this, this is uh, things that fit within this milieu are one of the reasons I became drastically less interested in anything that is um, psych prefix, which is psychology and psychiatry. Mm-hmm. It's because there's a, a part of me that has a deep and profound distrust of things that are set up the way that this is set up. Like yeah. All the, the things that you've managed to articulate quite well in the last 20 minutes. And I think this podcast is unique in the sense that uh, you've talked for the vast majority of the recorded time that we've taken up so far and that I haven't got angry or interrupted you. I'm just I'm trying to flip the tables a bit. And you're, well, not, you're not chewing as well, which is uh, which is <laughs> some feedback we got from uh, from one of oh, our listeners. I don't even remember eating. Yeah, but I, I, actually, I don't I, think I, that was a good idea. Well, I think I, I, I thought I was doing something else, and I noticed that sound on the bike. Please don't eat during the podcast, James. <laughs> like someone out there, I've got another mom out there somewhere uh, who wants to tell me what to do, which is fine. Thanks for the feedback. Uh, yeah, um, it is. It is a good point. I honestly cannot remember if I was eating or not. Let, let's say I, let's say I was, and I'll promise not to do it anymore. <laughs> Obviously, because I've spent most of these podcasts drinking industrial amounts of coffee, which is because of what I do during the day most of the time, obviously that doesn't make any noise, so maybe I'll just stick to that. <laughs> um, look, what I was saying is, what you've managed to articulate, I have years ago, before I could fully put all of that into words, mm. the problems with the glorious constructions that we make to stick psychological ideas together. I found something about that to be profoundly dissatisfying and untrustworthy and started moving away from it. And as these problems are continually more widely recognized and the concepts are discussed by more people and they're gradually refined, I I find the, the questions of this initial disquiet to be coming better into view over mm-hmm. time. Uh, and it gives me more confidence to talk about the things that I don't like about it. Um, I'm very surprised in some sense that there are so many... I'm, oh, let me put it this way. I meet senior people who work in areas like this who have no broader interest in going through other stuff that's published. They consider their role within the broader research field to just be producing their own shit. (laughs) The idea that you go and get involved in someone else's business, like it's a, you know, like it's some kind of weird zero-sum game sort of environment the idea that you'd go and you'd you'd want to know what's actually going on in someone else's research is rude somehow um and that that to me is uh the nicest way i can put it is colossally fucking asinine (laughs) either you want to know stuff or you don't and if you're not interested in getting inside the results that other people are putting in your field then as far as i'm concerned C. (laughs) We should probably take a break now. Let's take a break.
Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Uh, this episode, we are talking about oxytocin and spirituality. But before we get back into that, I uh, just want to give a thanks to uh, all the people out there that are sharing our podcast online. Um, I've had a few people regularly share stuff, so I think we can elevate them to the status of friends of the show. We have uh, Robin Koch, who's um, saying some uh, a lot of good stuff about the show. Uh, and um, so we really, uh, really appreciate that. Um, what and, lies is that miserable yeah. socialist telling about us now? Um, oh, let's have a look. Uh, Don't read them out. You'll embarrass him. Yeah. but Just, it, ma- just make it up. <laughs> he was saying some good stuff about the show that you should be there listening. There you go. That's obviously not true. That'll yeah. do. Uh, and Psych Brief or Psychology Brief on Twitter uh, is also um, uh, is also uh, sharing uh, our podcast as well, which we really appreciate. But we have some great news in that Everything Hurts has received its first citation. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a blog post from um, uh, Rhythm- at Rhythmic Psych. Um, let me just get your name. Oh, I read there. the rest of that blog. It's quite good. Yeah, that's uh, Danny Leach from, uh, at uh, Leeds Beckett University. Uh, PhD student in psychology has done a blog post and uh, and he's coined uh, a new term which I think is now going to enter the, uh, the 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 scientific literature of the Heather's hype cycle. It won't, but um, <laughs> it is funny, so that's obviously a good thing. It's a very good thing. Now th- this is in the context of the um, we're, we're talking about the, the the hype cycle, which is often applied to technology. And how things get hyped up, people get disappointed, and then things um, re- return to a, you know what they call a plateau of productivity. And uh, <laughs> in in this, uh, in, I think I believe it was episode nine, we were talking about this hype cycle, and um, <laughs> and in this blog post, which was talking about TDCS, um, uh, Danny Leach uh, mentioned the Heather's or the, the the modified the Heather's hype cycle, where you go from a bright idea to Mount bullshit. To the slough of despond, the slow return to sanity, and then the unfundable zone, which mm. is uh, which is. But fan- we ex- accept the fact that it works, but it, it loses its novelty at some point in time. So you you can't you can't complain that it's a, uh, or not complain. You can't you can't justify the fact that it's uh, interesting and that you're a clever clogs using all the latest and greatest things because it's also you know you had to repry the meaning out of whatever initial interest was in there in the first place, which is the slow return to sanity. Yeah. Um, at which point in time, the idea is, uh, the idea is, is, is abandoned for its, uh, just like the, the, the spotlight shifts elsewhere. I like, I like the unfundable zone for that. <laughs> um, it's not fair, but a lot of what I say isn't fair. So there you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mount Bullshit. Where's oxytocin? Is oxytocin on Mount Bullshit? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. That oxytocin is, uh, has has long passed. I think when there was that uh, when there were articles online saying oxytocin is the most wonderful molecule in the world. Oh uh, yeah, yeah right. Have, All uh, that Paul Zach stuff. Do you remember him? Yeah, he's still this lecturing. Hyperkinetic toilet licking <laughs> lunatic who's crapping on about hugs. Yeah, there's called a lot himself of... Doctor Love. That's um that's so we've 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 passed uh, Mount Bullshit and I think okay, well, I think yeah, that's, ob- that's obviously that's the flag on the top yeah. rock of Mount <laughs> Bullshit that stretches to the sky. 
Absolutely. And now now I, I think we'll also pass the Slough Despond. Um, we've had a few negative results and we are getting into the slow return to sanity now that we understand that uh, you know the response is uh, is moderated by individual differences. Right. Uh, so by... you're you're trying to figure out what is good or bad of what's already been done. Um, it's no longer. But people people are still getting excited about it. But that's going to happen um, when you have very strong protocols where you're you're more more assured that what you're studying is meaningful and repeatable. Exactly. Um, you at at that point in time, it will probably be very difficult to get in a, a journal that's familiar with the good stuff, the bad stuff published. Yeah, like some some journals. Um, I mean, look look at biological psychiatry. Um, Do that, I have to? <laughs> that um, no, nah, it's fine. I'm just being difficult. It's um that that published more of the kind of seminal oxytocin studies back in sort of uh you know about five five uh, five ten five years ago ish. Um, but now um, it was there was a whole art, a whole issue which was uh, basically a critic half the articles were a criticism and half were a things are okay but still let's be critical type thing. So mm-hmm. it's um, you know you know that little cartoon good. on the internet where there's a the little the little dog saying this is fine everything yeah. is okay and the entire room is on fire. Yeah. It's not quite yeah. like that, but it's no. Um, I hope I hope not. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's good though, like because the it just means the the, the field is improving, and um, anything that's published in there, we we're more sure of the results, and um, yeah, and that that's only that's only a good thing. So yeah, we we are in that slow slow return to sanity. There's crap coming out, um, but more often than yeah, not, there's crap coming out everywhere. So you know. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to put it on some kind of pedestal for being more inaccurate than anything else. I mean, HIV's been around since the sixties, but <laughs> is it possible to do an HIV study that is built of flies and spiders? And so even you, a lot of the time, you won't even get bounced from what's considered to be a reasonable journal, let yeah. alone one of the unreasonable ones. Is that even a official designation? <laughs> Never mind. Um. Well, look, it's all it's all very exciting that I'm coining rude neologisms about the problems with research culture but what's uh, what's what's left to say about this study i can't even remember the reference for this study uh what the the name of it yeah um it is the effects of oxytocin administration on spirituality and emotional responses to meditation so yeah there was also a meditation aspect of it which was oh, of uh, course there was more of a um uh more of a secondary secondary outcome um but you know I think uh, we should really be applauding the authors for actually posting their data and making it completely open. You already um, said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, once you uh, uh, you know, look at everything else, then, yeah, it needs a second look for sure. Right. Well, what else do you want to say about it? Uh, you know, I don't think there's much, uh, much more to say. Other than the, um, you know, the the, the smallest sample size, but we've already been there. Hmm. Okay. So this 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 point brings this brings us to an interesting point. I mean, I think it would be fair to say that um, you have reservations about the accuracy of this, um, or at the very least, you have. If if you were designing it in an ideal circumstances, the design would wildly diverge from what's being reported 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say wildly, but yeah. It, it would. It oh, no, not wildly. I mean, you're not okay. Everyone has to wear a costume from where the <laughs> wild things are and fuck each other with scissors. You, 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 you're changing the most of the major aspect of the study, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. That... Oh, never mind. <laughs> so, this is... Uh, I read... Uh, there's, people have been writing about replication uh, in the last uh, two, four, six weeks. And one of the... the I think it was Keith Laws who was writing about this today. Is the, the the center of the replication crisis? What's going on, Mang? The center of that is not the fact necessarily that things don't replicate. I mean, I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast. Remember when they did the um the Many Labs project and they got a uh, hundred experiments and they um they uh, replicated everything. Yeah. And more than a th- more than a third of them replicated, and then in about forty percent. They uh, they weren't really sure. It was neither confirmed nor denied, as mm. I didn't. It was possible to say. And then about thirty percent of them were like, right. Okay, that that get in the sea. Um, I thought that's a pretty good result for psychology, yeah. considering how well how well medical science and cancer biology, etc., have done, and considering the problems that they used to have in um uh, computational genetic stuff. And everyone went, oh, only thirty five percent of it is true, which oh, God, say, shut up. I was impressed. Um, I thought that was great. You, well, I, I, I thought it was... Oh, oh, okay. Not as much. Oh, my God. Only 30%? Get the children in the bedroom and fetch the shotgun. It wasn't... It, I really don't think that's the right attitude. Um, or the, the way to... You know, because, I mean, if you, if you read a lot of research and a lot of it's crap... You know, especially considering this is the this is the, the the good stuff. This is from the reputable people in the nice journals. Look at us; we've published in a nice journal. What's it called? It's called Mellifluous Psychologicals. It's marvelous. It has the impact factors. Yeah, don't care. Um, the point the point I'm trying to make is the replication crisis is largely the fact that people are not doing replication or the fact that they don't work very much well they work okay yeah fair enough it's the fact that everything is required to diverge by everything else Mm. from everything else everything is required to be novel everything is required to make a series of changes everything is required to have a new idea things are not aggressively pursued within the pathways of same ideas over time yeah do you know what i mean yeah and that is the point that i we can probably put these links in the show notes that is the point that people were making is that there's your replication crisis the fact that we're not doing any now that brings us to right now will this be replicated the answer is probably somewhere between no and haha are you kidding no i wouldn't be so quick to jump there really people have done a lot of replications of the trust and oxytocin area i would say there's been maybe three replications which is pretty impressive um and it doesn't look good for trust in fact you know i think for the past almost three years we've known that trust isn't a thing which is kind of frustrating because people sort of uh you know there's a lot of people on twitter and a lot of bloggers who are sort of you know talking about oh you know oxytocin research is ridiculous look at trust it doesn't work let's um let's all go home 
But the thing is, it's so much more than that. So it's basically saying that, you know, this molecule or this neuropeptide doesn't work for one very specific behavior. Therefore, it must not work with anything. We know it doesn't work. It's been replicated. This is a fantastic thing. So, you know, it's not impossible that someone isn't going to try to look at this. But the only way I would see this becoming replicated is if another lab came out and found a similar result and people got more skeptical. Because everyone's long-standing interest in the links between oxytocin and spirituality. It's well, like a parody of psychology at this point. <laughs> All you I need mean, to do is add... What, what, mirror what else, neurons. What, what do we add? Some uh, mirror neurons and mindfulness. And um, well, It was almost there with meditation. Oh, you know, some meditation is not just breathing, probably. <laughs> It, uh, you know, so the, the chances of it being, uh, it, it's not completely far-fetched that this will be um, replicated or someone else will give it a go. But it's actually quite easy to, relatively easy to study to run. You just need healthy people and uh, administer these questionnaires and get your hands on some of the uh, medication, which is getting harder, to be honest, especially if you're in the States, from what I hear from my colleagues. So mm-hmm. it's not, um, you know, completely... Uh, uh, out of the question for someone to to replicate this. It's not like you need mm. a scanner, you know. Well, you a bit of cheeky fMRI, stick it in the backyard. Yeah, tuck it, un- tuck it under your arm, take it home at weekends. Well, I actually that I've actually seen um, in the UK. There's a, they've got a whole fleet of MRIs on trucks, so you can uh, just drive around and literally park it in your backyard. Wow, I hope the shielding's good. Can you imagine taking it to a hardware store and setting it off in the tool aisle? <laughs> It'd be awesome. It'd, be it'd look like uh, it'd look like the thing, only made out of like Dewalt hammers and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, the, the, there are these um, the, there are these MR trucks that are that are rolling around, but not everyone has access to that. But uh, you know, so hey, anyone it's just more to... possible to get access to that, I suppose, because of its rolling around nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty nifty. MRI, very... MRI trucks. Um, yeah, what I've been what I've been waiting for for years is um uh when considering how good the internet can be now, what I've been waiting for for years is asymmetrical devices where you have data gathering at a different place to the rest of your hardware and seeing just how small you can make uh, point of care devices while uh, transferring the data elsewhere. Aren't we there already? Oh, it's just, there's so much more you could do. I don't know, it's just the whole, like, uh, what happens when you mash ubiquitous computing next to, uh, uh, you know, that sort of concept together with the individual uh, patient care measurement stuff. Oh, I know there's lots of there's lots of things going on, but I always wanted to see, a, 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 you know, an, an MRI scanner the, the size of a desk where the, the vast majority, <laughs> the, the, this huge this torrent of data that's coming out of it's being piped elsewhere. I don't know, these are half-form concepts, and sometimes I'm a half-form person, so... <laughs> It's a matter of Take time. for that what you will. We'll, we'll yeah. have brief briefcase MRI, you know, before you, before you know it. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, yeah. Certainly you can... Um, uh, certainly ultrasound, uh, the portable portable, uh, portable ultrasound stuff is now is, has been possible for quite a while. I'm not quite sure why there aren't more developments in it, probably because there's no money in it generally. Um they not it's not expensive to get one of the existing ones uh you know even if you have to plug it into a wall ha huh, ridiculous 
Speaking of um, great um, technology, you sent me a link a few days ago about people measuring HIV in oysters. That was awesome. That was cool. I think there's implications for oyster health. Yes. But it's also just cool as well. Hmm. Well, this is a, this is a reason people, you know, you think, oh, look at this, the the HRVs and the people, and people are saying, uh, uh, the researchers, sorry, are saying all this ridiculous shit about uh, how it works and what it's related to and what they can and can't tell about the physiologies. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, uh, the huge rivers of that stuff is a pure ass, but something like the health of oyster sprats Especially when you're talking about like this is this is not sort of oh does he have a sniffle? It's a fucking oyster spread, you know. It's got the brain the size of a pinhead or something. So its its overall health is pretty easy to determine when you look at its, you know, uh, global autonomic function. Mm. So well, yet a, yet another uh, yet another species where it's where it's useful. Um, <laughs> I've never really thought about whether or not bivalves have heart rate variability, but um, <laughs> there you go. I mean, a lot of the research, obviously, uh, there's uh, there's uh, dogs and cats. Um, Horses, a lot of horse stuff. Horse, a lot of horse stuff. Well, obviously, because um, equine medicine is uh, the adjunct to making an awful lot of money with horses. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a performance animal. It's one of the very few animals where the, you know you, you have to. You're trying to Usain Bolt the little bastard and get him into like <laughs> buying more expensive shoes and make sure he can run faster and stuff. Um, you know, generally we don't bother with um, making that happen to water buffalo. Although water buffalo races would be metal. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine like, getting all angry, bonging each other out of the way? Yeah, uh, that's a ballsy jockey. Oh, I don't think jockeys would be up to it yeah. at all. It'd be like a more sort of like a slow speed massacre. Yeah. Water buffalo racing. I used to have camel racing in the Northern Territory. That's the kind of thing that makes me miss Australia. Dumb stuff. <laughs> uh, the camel races were on again this week. Ah, oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> ah, okay. This is a, obviously a sign that we're losing focus. Um, hopefully it's still funny. Yeah. Um, but are we, yeah. Are we, are we done? Let's, uh, let's, let's finish up by what you're gonna, I'm gonna get you to rate this study out of 10. For methodology, go. Methodology, I'm going to give it a s- s- six and a half, seven. That's Se- cool. Seven because it uh, open data. Uh, being very generous. Okay. Um, a few shortcomings, but um, open a few data. few shortcomings, he said, redesigning the thing completely from scratch. <laughs> All right. And an overall, you know, I care more about methodology than other stuff, so we had to yeah. leave with that. But overall... Would you personally choose to replicate this study or anything like it? I know you have no research interest in spirituality whatsoever. I never heard you talk about it. If uh, if someone gave me the money and a student, I would supervise this project. For yeah, application. every everyone. <laughs> oh, if someone gave me the money and someone to do the work. I would I would lower myself. I would debase myself <laughs> by being involved in this. Well, on that generous note, um, why don't we go and get back to stuff we're actually getting paid to do? Let's do it. Idiot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Until next I time. I promise not to eat any food on the... Yeah, <laughs> go on with you. Bye-bye. Bye.